The Jets will look to make it four straight wins when they go to Cincinnati and take on the Bengals Sunday. We preview the game and discuss the feel in the locker room with longtime post football columnist Mark Canizero. We also chat with a diehard Jets fan and NFL Network personality, Rich Eisen. All that and more next on Gangs All Here with the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Cos. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us five stars and write a nice review while you're at it. We are joined today by friend of the program, Mark Canizero, and the great Rich Eisen. Let's get the show going. Jets coming off a big 34-3 win against the Raiders, riding a three-game win streak. Now they head to Cincinnati, which, you know, Cincinnati's 0-11, but it feels like a dangerous game because every game is a dangerous game for the Jets. Uh, big news out of Cincinnati on Monday was there they're making a quarterback change going back to the redheaded rifle. Andy Dalton uh, going to bench Ryan Finley, the rookie. So the Jets won't get a third rookie quarterback in four weeks. They, they kind of had their way with Dwayne Haskins a few weeks ago and got Daniel Jones to cough the ball up. I, I wouldn't say they dominated him, but they uh, they caused a big turnover there. I think they were hoping to get Ryan Finley and let Greg Williams and Jamal Adams go go crazy again. But instead, it's going to be the veteran Dalton who, you know, look, Andy Dalton is not great. So I don't think the Jets have to be panicked about seeing Andy Dalton. He had nine touchdowns and eight interceptions this season before he got benched when they wanted to get a look at Finley. Now the Bengals go back to him. Uh, you know, this this is going to be interesting for the Jets. I think everyone right now is looking at this as, can they beat the Bengals? And then can they beat the Dolphins at home and be 6-7 and seven when they go to Baltimore on a Thursday night to face Lamar Jackson and the Red Hot Ravens? Uh, you know, I don't think anyone's giving them a chance to win that game. But if they're 6-7 and seven going into that one, that's huge from where they were a few weeks ago when we walked out of the building in Miami and they were one and seven after getting embarrassed by the Dolphins. Uh, you know, I think you're going to you're going to want to see can Sam Darnold keep playing the way he has? Can he add another game to his streak uh, of good play? Um, you know, and one of the big questions to me is can they get Le'Veon Bell going in this game? That that's like the last thing to me that would make you feel really good about where the Jets are at right now. They haven't gotten Bell going this year. The Bengals' defense has been bad against the run, so this might be a chance for the Jets to actually get a running game going and maybe get their their big investment from the offseason, Le'Veon Bell, involved. They tried to get him involved early last week against the Raiders then kind of got away from it, but maybe this week we can see him actually gain 100 yards rushing in a Jets uniform. Uh, right now I want to welcome in my longtime colleague, Mark Canizero. Uh, Mark will be with me in Cincinnati on Sunday. So, Ken, what, uh, what's the biggest thing you're looking at for the Jets this week with the matchup uh, against the winless Bengals? Well, Kaz, you touched on a couple of really uh, key things. Uh, the first thing I'm looking at is is how the Jets react to what they did on Sunday against the Raiders. Uh, I mean, it was a hugely important game, not just, not just because it was a win, but it was a win against a quality opponent. You know, everybody was, you know, kind of whispering and wondering, all right, well, they, you know, they beat the Redskins and the Giants and, you know, teams at that time with a combined record of three and 17, what are they going to do against a team that's in a playoff race? Well, what they did was, you know, they had the most complete performance on both sides of the ball, uh, the, you know, under Gase in, in the Gase era so far. So, you know, I'm, I know there was a lot of, and you and I were both in the locker room afterward, the Raider game, 
there was a lot of talk about, hey, listen, yeah, we're just going to get back to work on Wednesday and, you know, we're going to keep our heads down. You know, that's, you know, that's the talk. You know, I, I'd like to see that action. They need to come out in Cincinnati uh, on Sunday. And uh, I think we'll know early on there if they have the same kind of fire that they had in the Raider game at the start. Um, so I, I think how they handle success to me is the first thing I'll look at. The other thing you mentioned, you know, in your intro there, I mean, I'm just so perplexed by what's going on with Le'Veon Bell because the guy, you know, as we both know from seeing it, you know, ourselves and speaking to players and coaches, the guy works harder than anybody in the building. Uh, his attitude's been great. The, the thought that he has not had a 100-yard rushing game in now in, in, in 11 games is shocking. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. I don't care how bad and injured the offensive line has been. I mean, he's just hasn't broken a run. There's been just no liberating moment for him yet. So I do, you know, have to think that they're going to try to break him out uh, against the Bengals, who, as you said, struggle against the run a little bit. I do like the fact I, – I really love that first play of the game, and you know, the scripted, you know, part, you know, where they got the ball to him in, in the air. I don't think they've been doing that enough, uh, in my opinion, to try to get him in space. He made a, obviously made a fantastic catch on that first, first play of the, of the Raider game. Uh, to set a little bit of a tone, but I think that they need to just kind of, you know, they've, they've had moments where they've had some drives where they've mixed it in pretty well with him. I think they just need to get more out of it. Yeah. I mean, two, two things with Le'Veon that I think could make a difference for them. Uh, I think the line is starting to get a groove now. They, they got Beecham back. I think that's been big, even though he's now dealing with sprained ankles on, on both legs. Um, I think Tom Compton has been an upgrade over winters because he's healthy and winters was never healthy. And I think Jonathan Harrison has been an upgrade over Khalil. So I think that offensive line is actually better right now than it's been. The other thing is, you know, Le'Veon hurt his knee against the Dolphins. And then he hurt his ribs against the Giants, I think. And he wasn't right. I noticed last week he was off the injury report for the first time in a while. Uh, I saw signs against the Redskins and against the Raiders where it looked like there were some bigger holes for him to run. And like you said, they got him the, the ball passing. I could see them doing that more. So you know, I really think this this could be a breakout game for him. What what did you think? What do you think about the Andy Dalton factor? Can um, obviously Greg Williams had had a field day against Dwayne Haskins and somewhat against Daniel Jones. Do you think that make make a big difference for the Bengals? Uh, if I'm the Jets, I'm a little uh, a little more nervous than I was on uh, Sunday night before the uh, Dalton announcement was made. Now you did articulate it well. You know, it's not like they're trotting you know Montana or Steve Young in now this week. So. But that said, he's a veteran who's seen a lot. Um, and listen, yeah, his numbers weren't that good. What, nine TDs, eight interceptions. But he's also had a, had a lousy team around him, too. So, uh, you know, this is a guy that, you know, has his capability of lighting it up now. So, uh, yeah, I would much rather, if I'm the Jets, be playing the rookie, of course. Um, so, yeah, I think this adds a little bit more of a danger factor. But you know what? Maybe it gets the Jets' attention a little bit more, too. Uh, you know, it, going going back to what I was talking about at the at the start of our segment here, just, you know, again, listen, the Jets are smart enough to not to know that they can take anybody, can't take anybody lightly for God's sake. I mean, they're four and seven, you know, they're, they're still, you know, they're scuffling like everybody else is, but you know, the, the arrow is pointed up right now. And uh, you know, I think that they, uh, what I look for is just to see, you know, them get after Dalton early, um, just be as aggressive and passionate as, as they've shown the last couple of weeks, couple of three weeks, um, Obviously, you know, the couple of home games have helped them. Uh, Jamal has been out of his mind, as we've, we've seen. But, yeah, set a tone early. Don't, don't, don't keep the Bengals hanging around. Because, listen, the Bengals have been right in both of the last two games, uh, you know, against, against opponents a lot better than they are. So, 
Um, you know, they've not getting, getting it's not like they've been getting blown out. So, I mean, now listen, the Jets have also seen this movie before, Cause, right? I mean, they, they, they were they were they were they were the Dolphins' first victim this year, so uh, that maybe gets their attention a little bit too, as well. You know, behind closed doors this week as they prepare. Just wanted to touch on something that you wrote uh, in the post this week about, um, you know, just kind of the patience that nobody has, and and the sort of the Jets coming together and finally clicking. You know, what what did people tell you that you talked to uh, players, coaches about, um, just kind of seeing this process through and now now starting to get results with with all these new pieces you know it's funny i, I i've been a handful of guys i've been speaking to in the last month or so uh jonathan harrison actually is one who's as you know is one of the real astute guys in that locker room in my opinion you know i've been talking to him and brandon copeland and a couple of the other guys about the you know that whole process thing and 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 they they realize that when they're one and seven, nobody wants to hear you know that this is going to take time, and they got new coaches and all that stuff. But this is something that Harrison's been talking to me a lot about, and you know, frankly, I haven't used a lot of it because it hasn't been as relevant. But now the things that some of these guys were saying to me about the you know the patience factor and about the fact that they got new system in, and you know, and then they all say, listen, you want this to happen overnight, you know, but sometimes it happens in a month sometimes it happens you know it takes an entire season in the jets case right now it's been more than a half season now uh before things look like they've started to click all right can so do the jets win this game this week in cincinnati because i do think they win the game uh but i don't think it'll happen without some angst in cincinnati I, I i just have a feeling that there'll be some nervous moments uh in the game but i do think sam you know will, will continue to you know his good play i, ju- I just think you know you're going to see maybe Dalton hits a few big plays in the passing game or something. I just see something happen in that game that there's going to be some adversity. You know, the Jets are also looking at this like, hey, we can win four games in a row now. I'll make a little bit of a golf analogy. You know, I golf a lot. You know, if you have a good score going in a round, then you just kind of start thinking about it. You don't want to screw it up. And uh, maybe there's a little bit of that element with the Jets who want to keep this winning streak going and they know they're playing a team they should win against. Uh, so, yeah, I think they win, but I, I don't think it's going to be without some stress. All right, Ken. Well, thanks for joining us today. You can read uh, Mark Cannizzaro in the New York Post at NYPost.com and follow him on Twitter at Mark Cannizzaro. I'll see you uh, in Florham Park, Ken. Sounds good, Kaz. See you then. Let's take you into the world of Sam's fantasy this week with our New York Post fantasy football writer, Samantha Praviti. Thanks, Cause It's the last week of the fantasy regular season. Let's run through half of the Sunday Week 13 slate and let you know who to start and who to sit. The Red Rifle is back against the Jets. Start Ryan Griffin. The Jets' newly extended tight end scored for the second week in a row and will look to do it again in a mouth-watering matchup. Sit Autumn Tate. We hope Dalton can inject some life back into this offense, but he went 0-8 before being benched, so don't count on it. A potential Super Bowl preview between the Ravens and 49ers. Start Mark Ingram. It was the Lamar Jackson show on Monday, but Ingram managed 15 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown. The 49ers' run defense will meet its match. Sit Emmanuel Sanders. He was only targeted once last week against the Packers, and it looks like he was just a decoy as he battles a rib injury. It's an AFC South showdown between the Titans and Colts. Start Jonathan Williams. The RB had a monster 29 touches last week in comparison to just one for Jordan Wilkins, and Marlon Mack is out. Sit Corey Davis. He's only had two good games this year for fantasy. The targets just aren't there for him to be a good play. It's a Helmet Bowl rematch between the Steelers and Browns. Start Jarvis Landry. Jarvis exploded last week with 10 catches, 148 yards, and two touchdowns, his best game of the year. He scored in four straight games. 
sit Deontay Johnson. It's the Duck Hodges show. Who knows what that could mean for Johnson, who only had 29 yards last week. Can the Eagles keep their playoff hooks alive in Miami? Start Miles Sanders. He had twice as many rushing attempts as Jay Ajayi last week and will look to see a lot of work with Jordan Howard still not cleared. Sit Carson Wentz. He's been a disappointment all year and had four turnovers last week against Seattle. Yuck. Dwayne Haskins will try to make it two in a row against the Panthers. Start Terry McLaurin. F1 is the only member of the Skins offense that you can trust. He had 12 targets last week. Sit Curtis Samuel. He's being eclipsed by DJ Moore, who somehow outproduced Samuel with what appeared to be a broken arm. And that's all for Sam's Fantasy. You can read my Star Sit articles as well as the rest of fantasy football coverage at nypost.com. Good luck in week 13. Like to welcome in now Rich Eisen, NFL Network host and a, a long-suffering Jets fan from Staten Island, uh, the host of the Rich Eisen Show on Directv. He, you can hear him on SiriusXM, all over the radio. He's also hosting a, a great show on NFL Network that just started last week, the uh, NFL 100 All-Time Team, where they unveil the top 100 players and I think 10 coaches as well in NFL history. Uh, so you know, I was just looking this up, Rich, and you know. January 12th, 1969, the Jets have their greatest moment. And five months later, you were born and become a Jets fan. So you didn't even get to see that moment. So congratulations on that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting. I'm 50 years old and counting. <laughs> what, how, did, how did you end up a Jets fan? Was your, your family Jets fans or how did that, that develop? Um, my, my older brother, um, became a Jets fan. He's a Jets Mets fan. And, you know, this is back in the day when, you know, you rooted for, uh, one team, you kind of rooted for the other team that was in the same stadium. Um, and I realized really quickly, um, as a kid that the Mets were not going to provide me what the Jets were, were also not providing me. Uh, Catfish Hunter got signed, Reggie Jackson uh, you know, Catfish and Reggie were acquired, and I fell in love with the Yankees, and I'm that rare Yankee Jet fan of my generation. Oh, okay. Well, at least you've had some some championships then in your life. Well, you know, the Mets had one, but the Yankees have given you some joy in the last uh, 20 years. Um, yeah, exactly. But I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm legit. You know, uh, A.J. Dewey broke my heart. I love Richard Todd and Freeman McNeil, and I, I – I still have um, my Wesley Walker jersey with my name from uh, Camp Loconda um, stitched into my stitched into it, so uh, they knew which bunk to return it to. And you know, when I when I uh, joined Sports Center in '96, um, I, I still you know I thought twice about it because I I figured maybe I had I, I had to put this sort of stuff away. Uh, certainly at ESPN talked professionally not to root for your team. But when uh, Parcells and the Jets made it to the AFC championship game in Denver, I was in the last row of the stadium at mile high, probably still fitting into that Wesley Walker jersey. And I got a, got a couple of looks like, aren't you the sports center guy? I'm like, yeah, I am. And um, remember just how quiet that stadium was as they trotted off to halftime with a lead in that game. Uh, only to have Parcells' like main men like Meggett and uh, Keith Byers let uh, a kickoff drop in front of them and also then fumble later on, respectively. And that was kind of uh, all she wrote. So I'm legit. 
is that the most painful memory for you, 98? Or, or is 82 hurt worse because you were a kid than watching that one? Well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 82 kind of hurt worse, but I also didn't know the gamesmanship at the time that, that Shula um, basically uh, let, let the tarp not, uh, off and then wa- probably watered down the turf even more. Um, so I was not really aware of that. Um, you know, being at the University of Michigan, I remember the Ken O'Brien um you know, Miami Dolphins 51-45 game. I remember, obviously, the fake spike. But, you know what, I, I got to tell you, um, I, might, I might have to put the butt fumble up there because I, I honestly thought that the ground and pound jets were the answer um, and the butt fumble was the exclamation point to the end. Well, you could also say Rex playing Mark Sanchez in the Snoopy Bowl uh, in the fourth quarter only to have him break his – collarbone uh that's up there along with geno smith getting his jaw broken that's up there uh don't get me started <laughs> essentially is what i'm saying yeah there's a lot a lot of moments i know you i know you go on with joe Beningo and evan roberts sometimes here on the fan as i do as well and joe joe ends up screaming about all the moments uh you know it feels like every week there um you know what do you what's your feel about the current jets about sam darnold Adam Gase now riding a, a three-game winning streak heading into Cincinnati. Uh, what do you think about the current team? Uh, you know what? Um, I'm 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 uh, pleased to see them uh, winning games that they that they're supposedly not expected to, like this past week against the Raiders, and obviously the crown jewel of the season being the, the win over the Cowboys. Which you know, I guess like college football, the the the, the win depends. The strength of the wind depends on how they fare the rest of the year, and that they've been a head scratch of the Dallas Cowboys. But I still think they're playoff caliber. And um, just seeing Darnold, you know, I think the most impressive thing, other than uh, his occasional bursts of uh, excellence on the field that's becoming more frequent, um, is just his ability to not get torn apart or sucked under by what happens to. Jets quarterbacks in, in the history of the franchise, which is um, degrading uh, success and uh, sometimes not being able to handle the, the vagaries of the football gods that seems to, you know, rain upon the Jets, that mononucleosis ghosts and toenails usually would tear somebody down as the, 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 the holy trinity that's, that really destroyed the Jets and Darnold season that he's not um, not being phased by that. And I think that's terrific. And, um, and, and we'll see if Gase is the guy. Um, it sure seems like the last three weeks that they have put something together with a roster that my buddy, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, who I do all the draft and combine shows with, who knows Joe Douglas very well to the point where, there was a very hot and heavy rumor he might join the Jets organization, Daniel. Um, he says that this offseason for the Jets is a Noah's Ark offseason because they need two of everything. And so to see this three-game win streak right now has been a nice, pleasant uh, turn of events. Yeah, I, I, you hit on it with Sam. Um, nothing phases this kid. Like he's his, his family used to call him Flatline when he was a kid because because that's what he is he always just flatline no matter what happens and this season has been a true test of that with the mono and the ghost game 
Um, and now he's now dealing with the success is a, a different thing, but he, he just he is unfazed by, by everything. And I think he and Gates have kind of figured each other out these last few weeks and, and gotten something going here. So maybe Jets fans will have something to look forward to. Let me just add this too. I mean, and, and, and Donald's presence is a direct result of, of, of this guy being on the team and that's Jamal Adams because, you know, a lot has been made of the Bears' decision to take Trubisky at the top of that draft. The Jets could have had either Watson or Mahomes as well um, and decided not to do that and decided to go with Jamal Adams instead. Um, and this guy is generationally talented. He is an excellent football player and a culture changer in the locker room. Like, you know... For, for him to go into the locker room, as he said, and, and volunteer to everybody, uh, after seeing how many Raiders fans had stuck up their heads off for this game in, in MetLife, for him to, to go in the locker room and, and use that as a blunt force instrument against the Raiders is something that I don't think the Jets have had too often. I love this guy. Um, what happened earlier in the season where he got benched against Cleveland or whatever the heck happened, uh, at the trade deadline, I, I hope is is much ado about nothing, because if if Darnold is there, the reason why Darnold is there is that they didn't go and get a quarterback before, so you might as well stick with the Adams Darnold president ticket and see how far <laughs> it takes you. He likes to call himself the president, Adam. So I, I'll say this: I say this, and you know, I probably should have written this. I I haven't written this, but. After the game on Sunday uh, against the Raiders, Adam Gase came in the locker room while we were in there, and I, I was kind of watching what, where he was going, and he made a straight line to Jamal Adams' locker, and the two of them you know, kind of shook hands and hugged. Like All that stuff from a month ago with, with the trade deadline, I, I think is, is history for now. I, you know, I, I do think Jamal is going to ask for a contract in the offseason. He's due to make $3 million next year. He's worth a lot more than that, you know, when their safety is getting paid $14 million in the league. So he's right to ask for a contract. So there could be some some fireworks in the offseason between him and the team. But right now, I think he's he's aligned with everybody. Well, I guess I guess, I guess the last thing on this, uh, I guess the, the one thing that's going for him is that once the Cowboys pay Dak, they won't have enough space for Jamal Adams anyway. So Yeah, they have too many people to pay. I was like, how are they going to pay Jamal Adams? <laughs> exactly. So um, I, I, I'm glad to hear what you just told me. Yep. Uh, I wanted to get to the, the NFL 100 all-time team because I'm I love NFL history and and I watched the the running back show the first show on Friday night with my son uh, and it was it was terrific and like I was so happy you guys got the older players in there like I I'm I'm such a like a geek football geek I loved watching Marion Motley film when I was growing up while. My friends were doing much more exciting things, uh, so it, I, it was it was really awesome. I, I didn't even know Dutch Clark; that was a new one for me. But just tell me how much fun this is, this project was, and, and you know, being on on the set with Bill Belichick, who who just seems to really show a different side of him in this series. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we shot the uh, first week of May um, because that's pretty much what Belichick could do it post draft free mini camp where he could put two days together and just 
leave all his off-season work aside and focus on this. Uh, and it was apparent the minute we started that Belichick put a ton of work into this as well. And um, he came beyond prepared for players like what you're talking about, Dutch Clark and, and Motley and, and players like uh, Van Buren, who are named for the all-time team for running backs. He knew these guys cold. Um, and then just his ability to pull from his personal archive, whether it was coordinating uh, with the Giants or whether it was coaching with the Browns or being um, a low-level staffer with Ted Marchaprota or being a fly in the wall with his dad when he was coaching at Navy or being a kid with football cards. I mean, he shares all these stories about his love for the sport and how he got introduced to it. And it's just amazing um, seeing all that. And then all the stars that you mentioned we had for each show, we have players who are uh, named to the 100 all-time team there as guests. So we had Jim Brown being the first, meaning the whole team's built around Jim Brown, which is pretty cool. Emmett and Barry Sanders. This week it's defensive linemen and linebackers. And, you know, I'm talking to a New York audience. You can pretty much guess which linebacker shows up in person with, uh, with Belichick in studio. Um, and it leads to some amazing conversations. And this show on the front seven is just really terrific. And then uh, we've got four more after that culminating with quarterbacks. And you can kind of guess which quarterback shows up with Belichick in studio as well. So it's really, um, it's really a great show. NFL Films produced it. They had six months to dress it up nice. So you could figure out uh, the lead time and how much lead time they have and how their work usually is just when they've got 48 hours to put something together. So, uh, I mean, it, it, and it was really special to be the host there for that. And I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of you uh, enjoying it as much as you did just one episode in. Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, I, everyone, if you love football, you got to watch this show. And, you know, the, the Belichick – that most people know is the press conference Belichick, which, which to me is a, is a designed act. That's what he does to, you know, to keep it all about football. And, um, you know, I think he, he, it's very calculated the way he answers questions in press conferences. I think the guy you got is, you know, the, the real guy, which you see glimpses of, you usually see him like Super Bowl week, Rich. I feel like he's, even when he's in the Super Bowl, the beginning of the week, he's a little more relaxed and he answers questions like he's, he's doing on your show. But, uh, he he gets so animated when he's talking about football history, and uh, you know Lawrence Taylor will be ter- terrific because he's always great when he talks about Lawrence Taylor, which he always has personal knowledge of. Was uh, were there any surprises for you? For let's just talk about the running backs because that's been revealed. Were you surprised at anyone that wasn't wasn't on the list? Oh, uh, of course. I mean, the fact that Emmett Smith, uh, out of the entire group of twelve, the the, the player that's the most uh, recent the player who stepped off the field the most recently um, is Emmett Smith. And, you know, uh, so, so no players who played their entire career in the 21st century is on the list. I mean, and of course, then you turn to folks like Steve Van Buren and Dutch Clark and you're like, okay, uh, I guess I'll believe you that they could play in this day and age and would be able to catch and pass and, 
I mean, catch and, and run and pass block in the same way as, say, Latanian Tomlinson or Marshall Falk did. I mean, it, it's a tough it's a tough sell on that. But, again, you're talking about the entirety of the history of 100 years of football and saying that this, you know, lush, fast, uh, talented position group uh, gets only 12 players on it. Um, and, it, you know, and then you try it. You figure out who, who who gets it. You will snub. Go for it. Good luck. And wait till the quarterbacks come. The quarterbacks are going to come at the end, and 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 they get ten. Wasn't twelve of them. Oh, so I, I can't um, even imagine. I don't, know, I don't know how they parsed it out. You know, um, roster wise, I don't know how they came up with that. But um, you know, the receiver group as well will I think uh, cause a. a a healthy conversation or in the case of certain people, maybe unhealthy conversation uh, about who made it and, and, and who didn't. Um, but again, um, that's part of it. And if you notice, I mean, we don't count anything down and we also don't talk about who should have made it. Um, and I like that. And um, that was also one of the prices of admission for Belichick to do it. He wanted no part of anything to do with, okay, this person is 55, that person is 62, and that person doesn't make it, and here's then let's have a conversation as to who didn't and who did. That's interesting, interesting. Yeah, and then, you, I mean, you guys have the reaction show afterwards where I think they, they talked about some of that, um, who made it, who did The quarterbacks is going to be really fascinating because, like, comparing Otto Graham to Tom Brady, <laughs> it's like, how do you compare – um the passing game of today to what they were doing in the 40s and 50s uh that one's going to be i'm sure that one's going to spark a lot of a lot of debate uh you know when, when that when that show airs how's the uh how's the training for the 40 going have you started that yet for the combo yeah, right around now right around now to be honest with you run rich run thanks for asking is uh raised over 1.2 million bucks for cq children's research hospital getting people up, out active, running around, running 40-yard dashes at their own workplace. Right around January is when you'll start hearing more about it. Super Bowl, really roll it out. And um, uh, I think the uh, the stars are hopefully aligning. Um, you know, stars are hopefully aligning where I've got a, a record-setting year, not only because I'm, I'm going to get into it a little bit more and prepare for it, but this year the combine is in, uh, is in uh, prime time. So, uh, so instead of me sitting on my ass eating like crap, talking about guys running in straight lines and around cones in their underwear for eight straight hours on live TV, uh, and then stretching during the last commercial break, I'll actually be able to wake up, get a little bit of a lather going, nice breakfast, and go run it uh, first thing in the morning, as opposed to later in the day. And I'm hoping that uh, you know, not to get too deep into the weeds here about my process. But um, you know that's that's that. I think that's uh, that's going to be a benefit for me. Really appreciate your time. Uh, nice talking to you. And everyone needs to watch the NFL 100 All Time Team. Uh, listen to Rich on direct on Direct TV, the Rich Eisen Show, Sirius XM. Watch him on the NFL Network. Follow him on Twitter. You know you can get him everywhere. You're you're everywhere. All these platforms. Uh, Good luck Saturday with uh, your beloved Michigan against Ohio State. Thank you so much, Rich. Thank you, bud. Appreciate it. Thanks. I now want to welcome my producer, Jake Brown, into the program to dive into the NFL Week 13 betting lines with Brown's Best Bets. 
Week 13 in the NFL features some very difficult spreads, but that's why I'm here to break it all down with you. And I'm going to start this week with our parlay, a three-team $25 parlay that wins you around $150. And you know what? When your tooth breaks, when you're biting through the turkey and the tooth fairy comes, she'll give you a few extra bucks, which means make it 50 and you'll win $300. Part one of your three-team parlay. You can call me Jake over Brown, or you could just call me over the hill, but give me over 43 and a half in Titans Colts. The Titans by themselves scored 42 last week, and they scored 30 the week before. You're already past the halfway point there. Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry just score at will at this point, and I see no chance the Colts don't join in on the scoring party. Hammer down the over 43 and a half like your middle name is Thor. Part two of the parlay another over listen take the over 41 in jets Bengals. i know it's shocking but the jets have scored 34 points in each of their last three games you're already three quarters of the way there at that point and i think andy dalton being the quarterback for the Bengals, gives the Bengals a chance to score some semblance of points here 10 to 20 points i think the two combined they get together and they say you know what we're gonna get over 41 and if you want to be extra safe here by the half point Make it 40 and a half because this could be a situation where it is close, but I see this definitely hitting over 41. Finally, your final part of your three-team parlay, take the Chargers minus two and a half. I told you earlier, the lines are very tough this week. And out of all the tough lines, this one I think is the easiest because when the Chargers have their backs against the wall as they are right now, they find a way to win games in close situations. Unfortunately, this year, They've been on the wrong side of all these one-possession games. That changes against Brandon Allen, who only mustered three points last week. I think the Chargers will win this one-possession game. It might only be by a field goal, but I think they win in Denver and try to get themselves back into some kind of playoff race. All right, my fellow gamblers, it is now time for my three best bets this week against the spread. Starting off in Pittsburgh, Devlin Hodges is at the helm for the Steelers in this quarterback shuffle between him and Mason Rudolph. And the Browns are trying to make this thing interesting. They will get to 6-6 six and six and right back in the thick of the second wildcard race because of the fact they're facing Devlin Hodges and they're hot right now. The Cleveland Browns are hot, baby. Hammer the Browns by at least a field goal in Pittsburgh and take a Permanente Brothers home with you when you leave town. Second up, the football Giants haven't beaten the Little Giants. They haven't beaten an XFL team. The Giants are bad right now. Big Blue is beating no one, and I cannot see them beating the Packers, and I cannot see them covering the 6.5. Green Bay's coming to MetLife pretty mad. They just got beat down by the 49ers on the road. Aaron Rodgers scary is a guy you don't want to face. The Packers cover and win by at least 7 points and send the Giants to their 8th straight loss. And last but not least... I do not trust Kirk Cousins in a primetime game ever, especially Monday night in Seattle. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere. Both teams duking it out in the wild card race right now. Lock the Seahawks in minus two and a half at home. They're getting disrespected, honestly, when you think about it, that they're only getting two and a half in their own building with how great they are playing right now with a nine and two record and what they did to the Eagles, what their defense did. So give me the Seahawks by at least a field goal in front of their home fans. And that's a wrap for Brown's best bets this week against the spread. When you stuff your wallets, get yourself some overpriced diet plan for the 10 pounds you gained stuffing your face with stuffing on Thanksgiving. Or just use it to stuff your face with a juicy steak. Good luck in week 13, and have a happy Thanksgiving. 
That's a wrap for Gangs All Here, our New York Jets football podcast with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making it happen. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms for the best Jets content out there. You can find more Jets news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We'll be back Monday recapping the Jets game in Cincinnati. See you there.